I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and I'll be hosting a special live broadcast today on News Talk 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here today to tell you what you need to know about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many of the other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, so now is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're here today to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at health care from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. I'm going to ask my co-host, Siobhan, to tell you how to get on Facebook. Yeah, so we also, for anyone that's listening on the radio or would like to tune in any other days on the Facebook stream, we do stream live to the WJR Facebook page, also Siobhan Cronin and Anne-Marie Cronin Agency. So anyone that has questions they'd like to type in or if they'd like to share it with somebody that may not be in the Detroit area or listening on the app, feel free to go ahead on Facebook because we're taking questions there also. And welcome, Dr. Collender. We're not usually doing a Saturday show with you. We have Thursday night every week and we have two, uh, sorry, Sunday afternoon, but not usually Saturday. So welcome to all the new listeners. And your practice is specializing in prevention. So maybe we should start off talking about what that's all about. Well, sure. Thanks. Um, in my practice, we do innovative testing, imaging, that's simple, inexpensive, uh, non-invasive, quick, that identifies your risk for having a heart attack or stroke. And we also do lab work uh, that uh, we use in conjunction with the imaging that measures activity of your arteries in regards to heart attack and stroke risk. So we do tests, frankly, you've never heard of that aren't being done by uh, really any doctors in the country, just a small handful who are really taking uh, the initiative to practice a preventative brand healthcare. Um, and then we spend a lot of time with everybody unboxing all of these labs and their health and creating uh, a strategy to help them get not have a heart attack or stroke or Alzheimer's, which we'll get to later segments. So you would think this is kind of a no-brainer that everybody should be thinking in this direction that I'd rather not get the disease than find out I've got it and have a lifetime of treatment. But you're one of the very, very few doctors, even in the country, I would say, that start off looking at preventing the, the patient from actually getting the disease, be it artery disease, cardiac disease, and Alzheimer's. And we're going to talk a little bit about, we try to stay on top of the news, the new Alzheimer's drug that's out. What do you think about it? Well, it's a great example of how our healthcare system pays no attention to the concept of prevention. So, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars are being invested in treating the end stage course of a disease, and 
no efforts being put into the concept of maybe we don't have to have this disease in the first place. And so this is a, another example. And of course, there's a whole lot else to talk about because it's not, no one's sure that this drug even works and it got approved by the FDA. As opposed to the vaccines, which are still waiting in line. Right. The vaccines are still being used under emergency use authorization and they seem to be working well. We do know we have a lot of callers who express, um, you know, they're, they don't want to get vaccinated. Um, they're very uh, uh, skeptical that the vaccines work or that maybe they will have long-term consequences. But so far, uh, there have really not been any issues except for a small number of certain groups of population. Right now, there's concern about myocarditis with uh, younger people in the Pfizer drug, and I think the FDA is looking at that now. Exactly. And uh, coming back to Alzheimer's, just to finish off this segment, um, I know that there's been research done to say that the bacteria that causes it starts in the oral cavity and the periodontists have been talking about testing for that, but nobody knows about it. And, you know, why should we have to wait with the dagger above our head waiting to get dementia or get Alzheimer's when what you're claiming is that you can prevent these diseases if you jump on it early enough? And how early is early? Early is 30 years old, you know, because as we... Um, live in a toxic environment. You know, we're eating foods that have chemicals in them. We're breathing air that has air pollution. We're getting, you know, again, the foods in the soil that you're even trying to get healthy have all kinds of toxic metals in them. So it's very hard um, to live a healthy life and reverse disease, but you can try and get some success. But outside of living a healthy life, eating well, exercising, etc., you actually have some very specific testing that you do that helps with the diagnosis of Alzheimer's? Well, measuring disease and identifying it early is important. So, um, I mean, just to clarify, I don't have a specific, you know, there's ways to identify people who are at risk for Alzheimer's early uh, that are inexpensive to do. Um, MRI with volumetrics is a way to um, get some brain imaging and see if your brain looks like an Alzheimer's brain um, in terms of losing mass in the areas of the brain where Alzheimer's uh, is affecting uh, people. In these studies, they use different kinds of imaging, and there's other doctors who do brain health prevention using other, you know, again, much more expensive imaging. But your everyday primary care physician is not going to suggest this to your everyday 30-year-old. Why don't we go and do these tests to find out whether or not you're at risk for Alzheimer's? Well, because the healthcare system isn't interested in prevention. They're interested in spending a lot of money fixing a disease after it's already settled in. And this drug is just another example of, well, let's throw a lot of money after something's already developed. There's no effort to stop it from happening. So in that case, the pharmaceutical companies are cashing in on someone else's misfortune, right? That's how our healthcare system works. Sad. Right. Well, in the meantime, we're going to have to take a short break. Again, you're listening to a special live broadcast. We're here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent catastrophic disease, please call us directly at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. 
If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know we're welcoming you to our special medical radio show on News Talk 760 WJR. We're back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. He's here today to give us some heart advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. And we're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collander, coming back to the issue of Alzheimer's, what is the average person to do if they want to avoid it altogether? Well, the average person is screwed. You know, there's just not enough doctors who understand prevention to apply any sort of program to the population. So, you know, the average person hears that there's a drug for Alzheimer's and they're excited. And um, why is there scientists on the FDA quitting the board, the advisory board, over this drug getting approval? So um, it's, there's no thought about prevention in the world. You know, the other question is you bring up the, the periodontist and the dentist are able to identify people at risk for dementia just based on the health of their oral cavity. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, but I just went to my dentist. I've got a great dentist, but she didn't say, hey, go do genetic markers of the bacteria in your mouth so that we can attack them right away and be proactive on your health. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know, knock on her, but no dentist does that. None of the dentists, you're absolutely right. They don't bring that up. It's not discussed. If you ask them retroactively and say, by the way, are you aware of that there's testing that you can do, they all say, oh, yes, we're all aware of it. We well, know that the bacteria exists, but no one's doing anything about it. Well, because they're making more money on treating end-stage disease also. They're making more money putting in implants and doing yeah. cosmetics. So they make way too much money doing that. And the reason they, and they, spend, they make so much money on that, it doesn't, it's not worth them to give up a chair to prevention. So the pricing that they charge on prevention is almost like getting an implant. Right. And it shouldn't cost that much you know, to do the work that needs to be done for prevention. So the question is, how do we create an oral health model where this is being done on the front end? And so someone out there can be a hero and take up this opportunity, but we'll see who steps forward. Yeah, like who? <laughs> give well, us your best shot at that one. Give me a few minutes. Okay. I've, uh, we're already working on it. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a shame for the vast majority of the population out there because they don't, they're not even aware of what's out there. They don't even know what the subject prevention means. They and don't know when to start. And neither do their doctors. That's you know, even sadder. So I have a patient who's very well-placed, who's extremely educated, who you know, came in to see me, and I made recommendations, and he took the results, the CIMT results that we do, that um, is, I'll say, the main test that I use to identify risk and follow the progress of our, of our work. And his cardiologist uh, really, you know, disvalued uh, what I do, you know, disvalued the whole testing, um, highlighted possible issues with it to the point that, you know, my patient's like, well, I'm not going to do half of these things you said to do. Um, but I said, well, we'll follow the disease and see where we go. He's really not a high-risk person. Right. He's really not. So I'm not that worried about it, and we'll follow him. And if, well, let's, if things... let's come back and talk about the CIMT. I think people, new listeners, may not know what it's all about, but Siobhan's got a caller if we can take the caller. Yep, so we have John on the line from Oxford. John, what's your question? 
Uh, yes, doctor. Thank you for uh, taking the call. I'm 75. My brain is doing very well now, but I wonder if even at my age, is there anything I can do to further prevent the possibility of dementia or Alzheimer's? Well, this is a great question, John. And what we are just about to talk about is disease identification. So the first thing is identify whether you're at risk. And, you know, mostly what we do is work on artery health. Um, Our brain is filled with billions of microscopic arteries and arterioles that feed our brain. So I think a lot of dementia is actually a vascular disease, not a disease of amyloid and neurofibrillary tangles, which is really the byproduct of waste and scar tissue in our brain. So, you know, these drugs are aimed at, uh, these new drugs are aimed at breaking down these byproducts, and it's not clear whether that process leads to a clinical improvement. So you're asking, how do I prevent uh, dementia? And my answer is, we need to identify what's going on with your arteries, and we can also go ahead and get some baseline brain imaging, like we said, MRI with uh, volumetrics, to see if you're even at risk. So what's the simple t- start-off test that you talk about all the time? John should know about this. Sure. We, uh, I recommend uh, to all my patients to get a carotid intima media thickness test, which is a measurement of the layers of the wall of your artery where plaque buildup occurs. This is a measurement of inflammation of the artery wall, and inflammation is what drives chronic disease. So we use this as our you know, objective data starting point, and then from there we identify other root causes of vascular disease, many of which also have an impact on dementia and other neurodegenerative diseases. So that's where I would start. And I've had you know, the carotid test. Oh, you did? Well, not yeah. he had a carotid, a carotid Doppler or a CIMT. I'm not sure, doctor. Right. All I know is that I had it and they said it looked fine. Right. So a carotid Doppler is the wrong test. So a carotid Doppler okay. looks at blood flow. So you I'll can still check. have plaque. It probably was. If you're, you know, if it, because it just isn't that widely available. And, and you'd know that you had it. So it's because it's so different, and the data report is so different. And the answer of your fine is not how you report a CIMT. It takes time to review the results because there's a lot of data to review. And even in a normal CIMT, there's great opportunities to educate my patients on what it is that's good and what are we looking at and how do we make sure we keep you this way. So there's no such I mean, even a normal report requires education of what's good. You know, even a normal report I review with my patients, let's review what you're doing good and let's look for other opportunities to do better in other areas to keep you this way. So that's what you were told is a typical answer from, you know, uh, a, a, I'll say a traditional internist or cardiologist, right. <laughs> you know, is just, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't say anything. Well, you know, because you could still have some plaque. And I think the most important thing here is for all listeners to write this down, C-I-M-T. They may not all be able to remember the big long name of it, but check with your doctor to see if the test you got was the C-I-M-T. 
You can get it okay. at 75, and even Siobhan's husband got it at Wayne Siobhan. No, he didn't get the CIMT. He I got the CT. Had, yeah. But a lot of, all the people in your office got it, and they're all between 22 and 30 years old. And they all have plaque. And they all have plaque. Yeah. They all were shocked. And so... I need to get it. <laughs> that's the starting point of, you know, identifying disease and then figuring out what to do there because the, the, the recommendations are all personalized. They're not like And what should I do, let's thing. say, with my dentist or this periodontal thing? <laughs> well, so there's genetic markers that identify the bacteria, the, the presence of pathogenic bacteria in your mouth that can be attributed to or ca- has a causal relationship with dementia, Alzheimer's, and heart disease. So knowing that you have this plaque, I mean, the real first answer to me is you got to know what your disease is. Because yeah. um, if you don't have plaque, then, you know, meaning carotid plaque or coronary artery plaque, it's a little less urgent to go and look at your oral health. But then again, um, well, anyway, one, you know, there's different vendors that handle the genetic markers, but your dentist will know who that is. And if you don't know, you can call us after the show. And we can right, exactly, 866-COLANDER, and Colin and Dr. Colander will be glad to give you the recommendations you need for the CIMT and the oral tests. In the meantime, we have to take a quick break again. You're listening to a special live medical broadcast, and if you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke or have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing today, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR. We're fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, here today to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. We're inviting you to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. This is your big chance to talk to the doctor directly. Siobhan, you have someone on Facebook? Well, so no, actually, our our guy at the station just sent me a question over Facebook um, for the doctor. So he says, both my grandmother and father dealt with dementia when they were alive. What are the chances that dementia is passed down through genetics? Well, that is a great question. So I was going to ask you that in the last segment. What about people that have parents and they're worried about it? They've got a, a grandfather, grandparent, mother, father, whatever. I mean, they must be living with a sword above their head. What do they do? Well, there's, if you ask us still, I, I can't speak for neurologists, but I talked to several and they feel that Alzheimer's is a genetic disease. You're going to have it or you don't. And that's the end of it. And if you get it, then there's nothing you can do until the FD, you know, the drug gets made like this. I obviously don't agree with that perception. There is, just like every disease, a genetic component. And there are genetic components to Alzheimer's. In fact, we do labs that measure the genetic component for Alzheimer's. Um, so it's not the whole picture. There's people who are high risk genetically that never get it. And there's people that are low risk genetically that do. I really think, and a lot of other doctors who practice prevention feel that environment dictates Alzheimer's. Um, and it's not, and there's also, 
other terms of, of genetics, we've talked on the show many times about epigenetics, which is how your genes present themselves based on the environment that they're in. You can actually inherit the way your parents' genes presented themselves. Mm-hmm. So a gene can, present, can make good proteins and bad proteins. The genetic code that that uh, is, is made to do. Uh, so if your environment is bad, then the gene's going to make a worse version of that protein, and you'll have more aging issues or chronic disease issues because you're making poor products. So there's a, you can inherit that uh, trend to make worse proteins. That's epigenetics, and that has an impact in, I think, every chronic illness that up until now has been thought of as just something that happens. You know, like autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, Sjogren's. It just, oh, people, oh, it just happens. It comes out of the ether. Not really. It's, it's people have these diseases because they are in some way prone to have them, and then their environment doesn't, that they create, meaning how they live, how they eat, allows more damage to occur. What's missing from this picture is that all diseases have to have a starting point. So there's one, you know, one thing that starts to go wrong and it keeps going wrong. And that's what prevention, or as I'm understanding prevention is all about, is that you want to jump on at that point and find out whether the person is susceptible and you've got the technology to be able to do it. Well, to answer Dave's question is, um, you know, there's APOE levels. So apolipoprotein E genotype, which is the genetic marker. So there's different kinds. And depending on where your pattern of APOE is, you might learn that you're at a higher or lower risk for Alzheimer's. And if you learn that you're at a higher risk, well, then you may make choices in your life to live a lot healthier to prevent yourself from becoming um, an Alzheimer's patient or having another kind of dementia. Now, is this a t- something he could ask for in a test? Like, can I get a test of my levels of apolipoprotein E? Like, how do you ask for that? It's a blood test. It's a so blood you test. Gen- okay. And you ought to be able to go to any doctor and say, hey, can I get my APOE genotype? And that is a blood test. And because it's genetic, you never have to get it again. So sometimes insurance doesn't pay for genetic markers. I should say sometimes. Insurance does not pay for genetic markers. Big surprise. (laughs) Well, even though they're the most cost-effective test because it's a one-time test and it informs your health for the rest of your life. What are we talking about, money? Nothing. Like, like, uh, okay, at the most, $100. So I use labs that do bundles of genetic markers. So we bundle the marker, and it's lower price. Right. So, you know, we so we get if I get at least three of them, okay, now it's worth getting the test. Right. We can add more at a lower cost. So we just get the right amount of testing for that patient. Yeah, I think that's really remarkable. I think everybody needs to know about this. Everybody needs to know that those tests are available. But I think that a lot of the primary care doctors are just shoo-shooing it off. I mean, they're just giving you their their standard blood draw that they do do to measure, you know, the simple things. That's all they have time for. All they have time to do is the cookie cutter, here's your labs, here's your drugs, here's your refills, go see a specialist. Oh, you want to get this drug? Go. They'll just refer you to another doctor to do something that could easily be done anytime. The problem they have is they don't have time to talk to you about it or talk to you about the results. And they may not understand all the implications of the results. It's not just a question of, 
you know, what risk panel am I in based on my APOE genotype, that measurement also informs information about how you should eat. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, there's other uh, genetic markers that we use in people that, have, that are diabetic. And that marker will tell people whether or not they should take specific supplements that can improve their course in diabetics and preventing heart disease. I'm just mystified by the fact that you figured all this out and that you dealt, you were delving nose first into doing prevention. You were taking the deep dive into building this practice of preventing all kinds of diseases. And you're the only one I know that's doing it, especially in this area. And it just seems to me that a lot of this information is being hidden from the American public. We have the diagnostic tests. We have all the med tech out there to be able to, we've got the CIMT, you've got the blood tests you're doing. Why is this not being shared? Well, because doctors aren't being paid for prevention. So I'm in a concierge-style practice, which means patients pay me a fee to be in the practice, and it gives me the flexibility to do what I want. So this is a choice on my part to leave traditional healthcare system so I could be a better doctor for the patients who choose to stay with me or, or join the practice. I don't want to be this cookie-cutter, basically worthless doctor. I don't say worthless, but it's, you know, it's not the doctor's fault because they're stuck in a system. It, they, it was their fault when they had an opportunity to leave the system to choose a better version of practicing. But now, especially in the state of Michigan, everyone's sold their practice to a hospital system who now owns their charts. So you, it's very hard to leave you know, that without your charts to solicit your patients to join you. It's impossible. It just seems, though, that you know, they ought to be addressing the whole pro- subject of prevention because what they're doing is just treating you once you get the disease, once you become diabetic or have a heart attack or have a stroke or... Well, who's the they? You the know, doctors, the, the, well, the, the people that we go to, the people that we trust with our health. I mean, I know, but the they is a bigger picture than that. The they are still employees of a hospital system that has rules. And but even the ones that are private practice physicians, how many people are doing what you do? No one. Well, there's a guy down in southern Ohio. That's two of you, okay. Well, there's, a, <laughs> there's small pockets here and there, but right, we're all, you know, outliers and renegades and... Um, But what you're looking at doing is you're looking at grabbing the person who's in their 20s or 30s and saying, okay, let's do this basic, simple testing. Yes, it may cost you a couple hundred dollars to get it done because it's not covered by insurance. But look what happens. You're opening up an eternity of possibilities of not getting diseases. Why would everybody would want that? Everybody would be lined up. Right. And and when you say we're trying to get people in their 20s and 30s, what Amory really wants to say is anybody, wherever you are in your life's journey... You sh- it's a good time to start. To well, even the gentleman that called that was right. 75. I, I have people that are 85 that join the practice and go, I want to live another, I want to live great for another 10, 20, 30 years. So wherever you are, you can do things to improve your health and lower your risk of having an event. That's the point. You don't need to live the rest of your life as an invalid or incapacitated or with a chronic degenerative disease for sure. Anyway, we'll come back and talk more about this on the other side of the break. You're listening to a special live broadcast from the studios of Startup Nation in downtown Birmingham. And if you have a specific question, the subject we're discussing today, and you'd like to hear from the doctor directly, please call him at 800 859 
Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat the chronic and debilitating diseases we've come to accept as inevitable. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention. And for our last segment, if you have any questions, now's your time to call the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We've been talking about prevention, but before we go back and ask some more questions, I want to make a few announcements. Please tune in. Dr. Collender has a weekly show every Thursday at 7 o'clock, also tomorrow. A live at three, show. The live show's Thursday, yeah. and we've got a show tomorrow, which is not live, but very informative, 3 o'clock. But next Thursday, very important for you to tune in. We're going to have a special guest, Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, famous for writing the recent book, The Price We Pay. He is a Fox News medical correspondent. And he'll be on the show live next Thursday at 7 o'clock. So you won't want to miss that show. Um, Dr. Collender, coming back to the discussion we were having on, on Facebook Live on the break about the Al Alzheimer's drug, what is the downside? Well, the downside is it might not work. You know, so the downside is... But are there any, re, you know, ramifications, repercussions? Does it cause anything serious? Oh, no, there are side effects. Side effects, So right. there are side effects and... Um, you know, there's, uh, you have to get brain image so often while you're on the drug that there's complications from the imaging. Um, there was some brain bleeding from the wow. study. Um, the real question though is, you know, does it even work? But I think we're going to go to a, a you want to take first. a caller, yeah, so right? We, we just got a caller on the line. We have Mark from Royal Oak. Mark, what's your question? I just had a, recently had a heart uh, stress test and during the normal uh, phase of that test, there's no re no problems there showing up. It wasn't until after on the cool down that some arrhythmias showed up, um, and they said, "Well, we should end up doing a catheter at this point." So they want to end up putting me on, have that done, but um, they want to go into uh, the top roll XL and some Crestor before. Just want to know what your thoughts are. Well. Um Interesting dilemma you have. Um, so I would agree with that, those choices. And the reason is Crestor, which is a statin drug, um, thought of by most of you as a cholesterol-lowering agent, but I use it as a way to lower the inflammation of the arteries of your heart. So you're basically taking a artery anti-inflammatory drug with a statin. That's how I look at them. And they can be taken irregardless of your cholesterol levels. So um, you do not need to have a cholesterol level, in my opinion, to even know whether or not you should take a statin. The other one is you're taking a uh, blood pressure pill that slows the heart rate. And so that will hopefully quiet things down when they go do the heart catheterization because those heart catheterizations are not risk-proof. There is a small percentage of complications, and putting the catheter in there can cause irritation. Um, which can stimulate an irregular heartbeat. I have a question for you. Um, what what drove you to get the stress test? Were you having symptoms? 
nothing whatsoever. We're just doing a deep dive on a um, on a physical. Okay. And as we kept going down, we ended up having uh, because of your show I was listening to, and getting the calcium score, and then we went to the CIMT test, and got results of a point eight three on that, and then we had the uh, uh, a CT score of two thirty six, and but I have absolutely this was just strictly of let's find out that baseline that you keep talking about of getting a baseline of where you're at in your life. Well, I want to congratulate you on getting, so, well, I'm I'm stepping, sorry, I'm jumping in because there's, there's a discrepancy in what you're saying and what you're doing, you know, so, so for a doctor to be astute enough to go get a calcium score, get a CIMT, should know that a stress test is utterly worthless. Now, you may find out, right, you may find out, all right, that you had a plaque, you know, that needed treatment, um, but, you know, if you're not having symptoms, None. again, I, I'm not your doctor, I've got to say that, so I'm not your doctor, I'm just giving random medical advice. If you're not having symptoms, a stress test is a total waste of time, and it's just a shot in the dark. It's not a deep dive. It's, it's, so let's say this is a false positive. Okay, so now you're going to go get a heart catheterization, which has a death, a possible risk of death. It's a small yeah. risk, but it's a po- so you're going to risk your life to get a test that you shouldn't, because of another test that you should never have gotten in the first place. And almost regardless of the results, optimal medical management is still a better choice. Now that, you know, whether you should evaluate your heart rhythm and things like that is another story. But this is an example of why doing the wrong test has more complications than just having a useless result. Now you're going to get another test that you probably don't need. And you should have been put on Crestor and an aspirin the minute you had your either of those tests be positive. The CIMT or the heart uh, CT scan. And then the deep dive is not, uh, let's go get another heart test. The deep dive is, why do you have plaque? What else is causing a plaque? So credit for getting the tests and then demerits for the way it's being acted upon. That's not his fault, though. No, He's it not isn't. A it isn't. It isn't. But you're listening to the show. You could have always called us. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's calling today. Right. But, I mean, I feel bad for all these patients out there because they're lost. They're treating their doctors like God. And they think they go and they see this white coat. This man is going to bless them and say, you're okay, walk out the door. But I have a question for you, Dr. Collender. I didn't know there was a problem with, I know the stress test is useless. You've talked about that a lot. But they can actually have an incident on, after the stress test like he had? Well, was that caused by the stress test? No, it just but was so just... well. He's got plaque, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, so he had an irregular heartbeat. So it does need to be evaluated. But he's, you know, I would do a I would do a uh, electrophysiology evaluation to make sure you're not at risk for a uh, a fatal arrhythmia. But in terms of the plumbing part, um, you should have been put on a statin and an aspirin the moment those results were available. He probably has a lot of doctors. I mean, we don't even know that he's necessarily right, going to one right. doctor, if it's a cardiologist or who it is. But this is, right. this is a constant problem on this show. We get calls from people. Mismanagement. Mismanagement, not connecting the dots. And also the patient being ultimately lost 
putting faith in their doctor and then the referral to A to B to C to D and we all wind up at the same problem again. And even if they find plaque on your heart catheterization, it doesn't mean they have to do anything about it there. Medical management is still a better option, even if they find the plaque. And what's medical management? It means take, that's the deep dive. Yes. Why do I have plaque? Find all of the conditions that are causing you to have plaque and hit those hard. Because it is reversible. Yeah, that way. Not by, the stent isn't reversing plaque. The stent is putting a stent in yeah. and, and thinking you're okay. So, again, you know, I don't know. I think there's an option for you to back out of this whole thing. You know, I would have your heart rhythm evaluated and then just get going on a, on a preventative med, a ma, a management program. And also, I'll have to throw in, if you have any more questions, unfortunately, we're going to be out of time pretty soon. You can call Dr. Colander's office for referrals at 866-COLANDER. That's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. Any final words, Dr. Colander? Oh, no. I was going to jump. I mean, uh, if Go you ahead. have time, just yeah. to jump Go back ahead. to Alzheimer's real quick. Another question from our, our friend at the station. Um, could brain trauma or a brain tumor lead to higher chance of dementia or Alzheimer's? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Good and, to know. Um, Right. Uh, TBI is very common. So traumatic brain injury. So anything that hurts your brain can cause uh, dementia. So it might not be Alzheimer's, but it could be other types of dementia. Mm -hmm. So it all leads back to they still have to come in and know what their numbers are, know what their score is and get the diagnostic testing. Am I right? Yes. Okay, well, that's the message for today. Anything else, Dr. Collender? Just... Well, again, like this uh, call, the caller told us is we've just got to be preventive. And even when there's prevention, you may be led down the wrong path. Yep, that's for sure. Unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'd like to quickly thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention for being here today and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information today on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune in to our shows Thursday evening at 7 and Sunday at 3 for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to News Talk 760 WJR.